Welcome to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you believe that there is more to life than what you see right now and you want to find out more, listen in as her guests share their journey and their extraordinary experiences. Now, here is your host, Rhonda Grant. Welcome. I am so pleased that you have joined us. My name is Rhonda Grant, and you may access all of my podcasts at rhondagrantauthor.com. The gorgeous theme song for the Rhonda Grant show, Sun on the Water, composed by John Park Wheeler. My guest today is Caroline Ishii. Caroline is a multi-passionate creative chef, author, and speaker. She loves to inspire and nourish people with food, ideas, and living a mindful life. Caroline was the creator and executive chef of Zen Kitchen, award-winning gourmet vegan whole foods restaurant in Ottawa, the first of its kind in Canada. She garnered critical acclaim for her food, including winning the silver medal at the prestigious gold medal plates competition two years running against the best chefs in the city, the best new restaurant of the year, and being named one of the best restaurants in the province of Ontario by Lonely Planet. Caroline's life and the restaurant were featured in a documentary reality show called The Restaurant Adventures of Caroline and Dave. The 13-part show aired on W Network, Asian Food Channel, and OWN. With an executive MBA, Caroline is a seasoned strategic marketing communications consultant and writer who loves to learn and connect with others. Caroline's first book, The Accidental Chef, contains vignettes about her life and lessons learned in and out of the kitchen, along with recipes that have meaning to her. Her second book, Canadian Vegan Recipes, released in Japanese by Tokyo publisher Kirasian, shares her love of Canada's history, culture, and the food with the Japanese audience. Welcome, Caroline. How are you today? Good, thank you. Hello. Hello. We are a long way from sharing recipes in our youth at Melita Canada, aren't we? Yeah, it's a long way, a long way, but it's always within us. The child is within us. The child is within us. And you are such a joyful soul to be around. And that's what I recall. You and I have not met for many years, and we we plan to meet up again. But um, let us know about your journey. What took you to Ottawa and um, and into the world of the restaurant business? Well, what took me to Ottawa what is always the reason usually. It's love, romance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> a boy or a girl involved. Um, yes. That's how I ended up coming to Ottawa. I was on a white rider rafting t- trip. I met the guide there. I fell in love. This is all like the short summary, Cole's yes. notes, I would call it. And then I ended up coming to Ottawa. Um, I just wanted to move to a different location from the city I was in. And I was, I had a totally different life. I was in corporate culture, working in a public relations firm. And I went to living in the bush where I had to cross country ski into my house, living in a cabin. Uh, We were up to a lot of things I won't mention here. And then... (laughs) When you're 21, and, um, <laughs> you're laughing because you know. And, uh, yes. Anyways, yeah, 21. 
So I, yeah, that's how I ended up in Ottawa. And I thought, well, I'll just stay here for a little while. And you know how that goes. You never know what's going to happen in your life. So I ended up staying in Ottawa for most of my life, actually, on and off, except for traveling in different parts of the world and uh, adventuring. Otherwise, I'd be in Ottawa. So uh, what was the next part of your question? (laughs) And so what ended up happening that you opened your restaurant in Ottawa? Like, how did you go from uh, working in publicity for corporations to opening a restaurant? Well, I uncovered a dream that I had. I think I've been working uh, for decades in marketing communications consulting, and I had a dream that was kind of tugging at me for a long time, and I didn't know how to get to it. And I took a course by Julia Cameron on um, sort of making your dreams come alive. And from there, I started a whole practice of morning pages and different things that really started uncovering these dreams. And one of them I had since I was young, like in my teens, was to open up a restaurant. But then I thought, well, how can I open up a restaurant if I'm not a chef? I at least need to know what goes on in a restaurant. And so I guess uh, the <laughs> short story is I enrolled in uh, chef school in New York City. Uh, next thing I was secretly going to New York City because I was quite embarrassed. I was out of the consulting career and I ended up um, just doing a pivot, becoming uh, taking chef school in New York. Um, and that's how the journey began is that I went to chef school in New York uh, and became a certified chef. And also I ended up at a school called the natural gourmet was all about organics, plant-based, what was healthy and organic and mindful uh, for people to eat. I came back to Ottawa. I said, well, I'm going to try this idea. I have of a pop-up. This is before the word even pop-up became mainstream. And I had pop-up dinners where I showcased my food and, People loved it. So it garnered a following of many people. It was like 20, 30, 40, 100 people on the waiting list. And this community really supported me in opening up a restaurant. So many things happened when I followed this path toward my dream. Uh, And so you've taken us up to the restaurant. But uh, how did you actually um, garnish funds to rent a uh, place down in Somerset? and uh, renovate it? I had some money savings from consulting, but I thought I had no money. But this is shows you where there's a will, there's a way. I really okay. believe that if you want to do something, you'll figure it out. And that I have really didn't have a lot of money, but I started, I guess it all started from one of my clients at my dinner saying, you know, Carolyn, we really want you to help you build this restaurant and make it happen. I said, well, I don't have much money. They go, we can help you. We can figure out a way. And then I thought of an idea called the community supported restaurant, which is based on the community supported agriculture concept of gathering um, money in advance to pay for your seeds. Um, and then later you will give people baskets of produce. Um, so I decided to have uh, an event, a fundraising campaign. I call it, I call it uh, steaks. S-T-A-K-E in a a vegan restaurant and people that were my clients would come and uh, buy gift certificates in advance um, for the restaurant and I think what happened is in within a few hours at an event within a few hours you raised 20,000 and it showed me that people when these there's the point of view and they want to help you you need to find a way so it just grew this um uh continuous um, support 
for this idea. And whether I wanted to stop it or not, it was like a roll a snowball that rolls. The next thing I knew, I had uh, a product TV production company wanting to film me on me opening the restaurant and my hopes and dreams and the fails, failures and the trials and tribulations of opening a restaurant. So it was like, oh my gosh, I had so much um, moving me forward. So that's uh, eventually, and I put in everything I owned, everything was on credit card, that story you hear over and over again about entrepreneurs, like you just, I put everything on the line for it. I had a second mortgage. I, I borrowed from friends and family. Um, they're still friends and family. I'd like to. <laughs> oh, good. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I, I, would, not, uh, I know, would not suggest it unless you can really honestly pay them back. Um, everything was totally stretched, but that's how we opened the restaurant was through the community, um, through the support, through the uh, media and everything supporting me um, and my own willpower and my background. I said, I have an executive MBA. So luckily I was able to do all the financial planning that was required um, with uh, my cousin and different people to actually create um, financials in order to present to banks and everything. Although I would say that banks are not really supportive. <laughs> Of entrepreneurs and especially restaurants. Well, so especially I get restaurants. Yeah. yeah, especially restaurants because uh, the stats used to be of every 10 that opened, um, nine would close within the first uh, two years. I know. And, this is the stats that I was constantly given. Um, mm-hmm. It's like somebody telling people somebody not to get married because the stats are high against divorce. What do you do? You <laughs> want to get married, you get married. The same thing with opening a restaurant. You open a restaurant, you know, it's 50-50, it could go against you, but you're so much in love. I would say, and it's a passion when you open up something, it is like being in a romance, you know? And well, and the thing, and, and that's the ingredient too, uh, not only for life, but uh, in the kitchen, isn't it, Caroline? I mean, when you're preparing meals with love and excitement and all of that, uh, and they've done studies on on uh, this, that people, they keep on coming back because it's not just the food, it's the atmosphere that you've created in that restaurant. Um, because I'm sure that you've been in a restaurant like I have where um, it, the energy's not that great and maybe the food was fine, but you don't go back because there was something there that there was a missing ingredient. And, uh, you know, just hearing your voice and just how joyful you are and even excited talking about that time, I can imagine that people were attracted to you and your vision and you're, and, and you just love to feed them good food. Right. And I, I also think that, you know, when we eat with our hearts, that it's, what I call a taste memory. It's something, and a lot of authors and a lot of chefs along the way have talked about this. It really ingrains in somebody's heart. If you think about it, if you've had your mother's cooking and she's passed away, your grandmother, and you try that same recipe, it never works. It's never the same. And you think, why? Did I use different flour? Did I use a different milk? No, it's that energy. It's that love that was there. It's the dedication into creating something. I think that is the energy and it, 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 it stays with you. Um, I call it a lot of it like comfort too. Like you smell something and then you remember your mother, your grandmother, you remember a picnic or, uh, you know, it can, it could bring you weeping because you thought of your mother or father that has passed away. And just by the simple act of remembering that taste that you had, that's so incredible. The power of food. That's why I love it so much. It's just 
It's crazy. It's so crazy the power it has. Yes. And uh, with three meals a day, there's a lot of uh, laying down of memories, isn't there? Yes. If, if they're memorable, most people, like, <laughs> you just grab something, you're not as mindful as you could be with. So it's not memorable. But when the times, and I think it's mostly when you share food with people that somebody you love, that is a memorable moment. Uh, yeah, that, that creates, there's so many, many things that created, but uh, yeah, that's part of the memory. Well, that, yeah, I just, I, and I love talking about that part of it because it's lots of times that that is overlooked. Um, so when you left uh, Ottawa, you left the restaurant, where did you go after that? What did you do after the restaurant in Ottawa? Good <laughs> question. I yeah. went everywhere and anywhere. I I was sort of devastated, heartbroken, burnt out after I left the restaurant because that wasn't only leaving the restaurant; it was leaving a 17-year relationship, a long-term relationship. My father oh. had passed away, um, and I was oh. with him, and you know, almost till he died. It's like it's heartbreaking. All of those things. I had many, many on that trauma scale or stress scale. I had too yes. many. And I realized yeah. only looking back how much trauma was uh, uh, under and how long it takes to so-called truly heal. Like you think people will tell you, you should heal, do this, or you should do that. But I think only you know how long it takes yeah, to feel better. And there's many steps I took along the road. But it was a long journey. I went around the world to different places and Bali and Thailand, Japan. I, um, I worked several places. I traveled. I wrote a lot and really reflected on my life. Um, so there was a lot of things I did. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and you also authored The Accidental Chef during all of this time. Yes, I birthed the book too. Like I didn't know. Sometimes when you birth a book, you don't know how you do it. Not that you don't remember. It's like probably giving birth. Like I haven't given birth, but I can just imagine it's excruciating, painful. It's it's a lot of work, and I think you really have to want to write a book in order to do. I I believe it's in you. It's not so many people say they want to open up a book or write a book like they want to open up a restaurant or get married, but they don't realize how hard work it is in the end. It's you really have to want to do it and be in it. So yeah, burned a book that was within me. When it comes to the food um, and 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 being a chef, do you feel that you were called to do that? I mean, you said it kept on. You kept on thinking about it and thinking about it, but you didn't uh, take that leap. But what made you? What motivated you? What compelled you to go to school? To go to uh, New York? and and train as a chef I mean what part of you made you do that was it something you just had to do yeah I guess it was something I had to do once you start uncovering your dreams it was something that was really calling me to do not to become a chef and that's why my book is called the accidental chef in a million years I never thought I would be a chef for sure for sure okay so it wasn't that's the thing with callings they're kind of like um very vague and that's why people get frustrated what is don't why don't I know exactly what I want to do it's because it's sort of an adventure um and that you really need to go down the path yellow brick road and then figure out what it might be you're getting hotter you're getting colder you're this might not work this might fail so when I 
figured out that I wanted to open a restaurant, then I thought, well, I'm not the same person I was when I was my 20s. I want to create a restaurant with very healthy, nutritious and um, delicious food. Um, so where would I go? So I went to the Natural Gourmet, which is all about healthy, healthy food for the planet um, and environment um, and our body. So it was totally different. So it changes. Um, the the dream is there in very like a very I would say romantic way, and yes. about following that road and then figuring out. It's almost like you're blindfolded in a way when you go down this path and you don't know. You just have to keep on going and have faith in yourself. And one step as Oprah says, one little step after the other. You don't have to know the whole plan. Um, I like what, uh, when I took the course, um, with Sharon, um, I like what she said about, um, teacher had said about a lot of people come to her asking her, I want to be a screenwriter and, but I don't want to move to New York and LA. I don't have the money. It's expensive. And she goes, you know what you have to do to be a screenwriter? You have to start writing. People don't think about the next step. It's not as romantic as, um, the dream of living in a foreign place or, you know, being at parties or whatever. It's the act of just writing. If you want to write a book, you need to start writing. You need to start practicing your daily words and start gaining up your count and um, gaining yourself in training for anything. Yeah, it's it's the one thing I've learned is that when you start anything, you really suck at it. And as adults, we're not good at accepting that we might suck at something when we begin something. You know, kids, we know that like we don't even we fall, we we fail, we try, we laugh, we cry. But as adults, we must get it perfect. We must get it right. And then we don't, we forget that we're bad at something when we start. Like at cooking, I don't think I was good when I started cooking at chef school. I just following the rules and I was nervous and scared of making a mistake. Um, yes. Yeah, but it took me many, many years of just working at it, practicing, realizing, and then bringing in the passion that um, that I realized I had a gift for it. So I think we sometimes give up too early, too, on our dreams, thinking we suck at it when it's like the suck factor is part of is part of going forward. Yeah. And I mean, it's the stories that you tell yourself, too. Um, right. You know, uh, some people uh, may see obstacles as messages that they shouldn't be going down this path where yourself. Uh, you would see the obstacles and you knew that they were there for you to overcome. And I, so sometimes, it, <laughs> I would sometimes say, I, it's well, just as hard on me as anybody else. I would think I have a very are. negative, critical thought pattern. I would say person in me too. Yeah. Say, but you can't do it. And so on. Well, the thing is, but successful people find a way to get over those obstacles for people who give up to, they give up too early and right. it doesn't sound like a person like you with the accolades that you have behind your name and you're still um, moving forward. Um, you, it, you know, you didn't give up. It doesn't sound like you gave up. It sounds like when you saw the obstacles, uh, you went over, under, or through uh, to get to where you were going. So I, I commend you for that. I mean, that's uh, not, there's not a lot of people that uh, would do that. There's not a lot of people that would leave everything behind in a place that they were comfortable with and 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 go to a different country to learn a, a different skill. I mean, that took a lot of courage and bravery. And um, 
that that's amazing that you've done that. Thank you. I did. I I didn't really think about it. I, I no, you don't until you look back. I know. I live a lot in the present, and it's about just whatever's before you, then behind you. I know. I I went through a rough past, and even my childhood was really rough. But I try yes. not. I notice it and observe it, and I'm, you know, I appreciate it. But I, I move forward to. I've always been a person to this positive sense in me to move forward even then when things get really dark and down it that yeah that's that has been a gift yes for sure yeah so you uh spent some time in japan uh recently yes you were flying you were flying back home right when covid was beginning uh last March you flew a year ago, right? Well it's actually a bit later in August. I flew home around August last in, in the midst of it actually. Yeah. In the middle of it or somewhere. Who knows what the beginning we know sort of the beginning of COVID. We don't know the middle and end. It's like a, a book we would like to finish. <laughs> it's so, like <laughs> just read the chapter. On on. It's like okay, yeah. what it's like on a Netflix series and Three seconds, the next episode is on. The next episode is on, but yeah. we can't stop it. It's like, ah, when does it stop? But, That's right. Yeah. Anyways, in between it, I came back. I was in Japan for the year teaching English um, in the remote countryside in a mountainous area of Shikoku Island uh, to young school children. So that's what I was doing. <laughs> Another dream of mine. Jack did it. Yeah, and and while you were there, you began writing your other the book that you just was just published not too it long ago. It was published about uh, about a year or so ago. Mm-hmm. Um, it was um, done. Um, it's about Canada, but it was um, finished off in Japan, and it's about um, Canadian culture and history and recipes, and I veganized them to make them more plant-based because the publishing firm was more into healthy vegan food. So, uh, but, but I did a lot of research on that, on Canada and, uh, and what, how best I could present it to the Japanese, because first I had to understand it myself. Like what is Canadian food? What is Canadian culture? And uh, once I, I could confirm that for myself, then I could bring that to the Japanese and uh, and be proud of it. And that, that's awesome. Yeah. And so, where is that available? Is it available in it's Canada? On, um, or? I do. It might be available in Canada, but it's mostly available on in Japan. It's available all through all Japanese online and Amazon JP. Um, yeah, it's it's available through that. I'm not sure. There might be some Japanese book published uh, companies in, uh, for example, the U.S. and other countries. So right now I know it's available through that. Awesome. That's just awesome. I think it's just been a fascinating. So what uh, what are you doing now? What am I doing now? Talking to you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and enjoying myself. I am in Ottawa and uh, I had to lock down here, so I decided to, this is the closest place for home for me. So I, um, an opportunity came up to do a healthy food line. So I started that, nourishing people with healthy food. I also had uh, another, many, many, I have passion projects, I call them. I have like 
big ones, but you have smaller ones. This was about how to connect people in social distant times. So I decided to have what I call the virtual communal table dinner. And what I would do, and I'm doing, I'm on the, uh, I'm running on the fourth one now, is have a dinner where I gather a hundred guests around the table uh, on Zoom. Um, and I create a, a beautiful, delicious five course meal for them, which they is delivered to their home or it's, they can pick it up. And then we gather at seven o'clock and share a meal together. And we have, uh, it's all part of my philosophy of being more mindful. We start with a mindfulness exercise. Sometimes I have guests, sometimes I talk myself. And it's all about grounding people in this beautiful meal. So I share how I made the food, uh, what, what, it, what went into it, answer questions from the people, talk about myself, and then we wrap it up. It's just a nice time, I believe, to share when we can't share as closely as before. So I've all, I've always, if anything, been a problem solver. You're definitely a problem solver as a chef and entrepreneur. I mean, there's problems and issues coming at you all the time. And one of the things that I couldn't grapple with when I came back was like, how can we stay connected in non-connected times? And was it even an issue before COVID? And I know that loneliness and isolation is huge. And how we and um, how can we stay connected? So this is one of the ways that I'm doing it is is through a virtual table. And I have many more ideas coming up about connecting people through workshops and retreats uh, and different ways that we can stay connected um, and to ourselves. That's a big thing for me as well. Sometimes yes, yeah, and you yeah. have an amazing ability actually, uh, of bringing people together. Um, yes. It doesn't take you long. Um, and I think it's uh, the joyful spirit that you have, Caroline, that people are really attracted to that. And you're all inclusive, um, always. And that's a, a trait that I really admired about you, even when we first met, mm. is that you very inclusive of, of people. Um, from different countries, different languages. Uh, I remember trying to speak with the um, uh, German people that came to can, to Melita, Canada, and uh, you had to really persevere because they hadn't a clue what you were saying to them. But uh, you know, and uh, and then the next thing you know, we're playing racquetball with uh, German-speaking uh, women and having a load of fun with them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I found that really that's that's a gift uh, that you've carried and it's only gotten bigger for you I mean the more you did it uh, the more you're able to do it and uh, it could have been three four five six of us back then and today you're talking about gathering a hundred people together to eat over zoom I mean it's monumental Caroline it really is well, thank you. Well, inclusivity is a big thing for me. I think yes. there's things that we carry over in our genes or DNA. Um, it's learned. It's, you know, my, my parents went through a rough time in Canada. You know, they were part of this whole thing. They're Jap um, Japanese-Canadian background, third generation. My parents, like you were Canadian citizens and or U.S. citizens too, when they were put into these prisoner of war camps during World War II, uh, people saying that they were enemy of uh, the country, that they were, and they were so loyal and they had everything taken away from them. So 
um, that was heartbreaking for my parents, my grandparents who lost everything after my grandfather came to Canada. I think when he was in his early 20s and he formed a life in Canada, he bought an island um, uh, off of BC and he was so happy to have his family. And then one night a ship to come up and say, nope, you have to come to this uh, camp with us and you're never going to come back again. Just pack one suitcase. So for me, that's part of my upbringing is that when I found out about that later in life, I'm like, wow, no wonder inclusion is such a big thing for me. I don't want anybody to feel that they're different or separated. Uh, it's, it's, um, yeah, it makes me cry when I see that happen. There's when people are not included. Um, so I, uh, I make sure, and that's part of the reason I do vegan food. Uh, a lot of people ask me, I'm not veg. I eat mostly veg, but mm-hmm. I'm like, think like most people in that I try to eat a he- uh, healthier food. I try to eat more plant-based. Um, but the biggest thing for me, I realized this came out later when I was working at, working at the restaurant is that all people could come to my restaurant and eat the food a family. And that was like 12 years ago. Now it's commonplace that most people go to a restaurant with a group of people with different dietary preferences and allergies, the gluten-free or celiac or veg, or they can't do this. So I was happy to accommodate them. I still am. Uh, People think I'm crazy (laughs) to accommodate so many people with, but I just think that the last place where we make a lot of judgments and stereotypes about people being good because they eat meat or bad or veg is good or bad. Who cares? It yes. only matters what somebody wants and it's their right to eat whatever they want and live their lives. So I was just always appreciative of people coming in, period. And uh, like, especially in the beginning, a lot of men would come in and say, Caroline, I have a confession. I eat meat. And I said, so do I. Welcome. I'm so glad you came. And the fact yes. that I was on the same ground as them and authentic and honest and open, they would be my most loyal customers. And at one point, oh, yes. the restaurant was filled with men coming after the hockey game because they couldn't believe how great my food was and wanting to share it with their friends. Um, so I oh, it was it- delicious. Yeah, <laughs> I went to your restaurant <laughs> oh, thank and you. I just loved Yes, I just love the food, and and you're right. It, it it it's just really good food, whatever it's called. It's just really good food. Yeah, and you and you have such an artistic ability in your presentations, especially your desserts, but all of it. You and and I guess that's from chef school. But no, you it's have not to really have, actually, to be no, honest, where it's from you. It, it's from me. I've got an yeah. artistic soul. But also, it's part of being Japanese descent, too, in that when I was growing up, I could not play anything without it making it look nice. It bothered me at the beginning because I just wanted to eat as a kid. But my There's a saying called kokoro in Japanese. It means doing anything with your heart, your body, your mind, your spirit. And I think anybody's experienced that if they've gone to Japan and they see that Everybody has that, meaning whether they're a garbage person or they're welcoming you at a store or they will put their heart and soul and they're not faking it into what they do. And so plating for me um, is part of my spirit. I need to uh, and I also believe that food should look good, that we eat with our eyes and our hearts. So we need to start first with visual. So I feel like it's me on a plate. So I got to make myself look good. 
Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> and it's too late, you know? Yeah. So it's, if it's me on a plate, I can't slop it on a plate and call it me. It has to look nice. I want to delight people. I want to make them happy with my food. I think most of us do what we do because we want to make others happy. If we want to fulfill a need. And for me, that's, you know, bringing like a uh, condo would say spark joy, ping, spark joy in people's lives. And if I can do that with food, that's amazing. It is. And, and you've, you've accomplished it in such a beautiful way. I, I see your posts on Facebook and I just, I want to come and sit at the virtual table, but I'm so far away that I, I wouldn't, uh, I'd be driving a long piece to bring my food back home. So tell <laughs> <You> never <know. laughs> well, I'll, I'll go to Ottawa though. And, uh, and, and I'll see you, but, uh, so tell, tell me about your food line. Why did you start that? Well, again, I had this, um, I had this chef at one of the hotels here, the Lord Elgin there, the hotel was, uh, not, was not operating because of COVID since March and the restaurant was sort of operating. So they said, why don't people love your food? And he was a fan of my food. Why don't you start creating food? And I thought, yeah, I'd love to create food to nourish and comfort people during this time. And people like my food. And it was a way of connecting with my audience. So that's how I started it. I just started a comfort, sophisticated comfort line of food that I thought my customers would love to eat, like whether it's lasagna or cabbage rolls. And it was all made with whole foods and with love. I think this is the way to share my love with people. And if more than ever, we need it now. We need to really help each other. So this was my way. There's many ways, things I want to do, like most people, to help others in need. But um, this is the one, way for me to um, bring it out to the world, bring my light and my talents out in the world. So this, uh, yeah, that's how I started yes. the food line and and delivering it to people um, and also I'm picking it up. And so what what's the process of that? Do you make the food, cook the food, and then they come and pick it up or it's delivered and they reheat it or cook it full at, when they receive it? And how did you promote it? It's all fully prepared. Um, so okay. I don't believe I, I really try to put my myself in the shoes of my clients always and that they don't have enough time. I hear from my friends. They're so stressed. They have Zoom call after Zoom call. So it's like, OK, I want somebody to receive my food, put it in the freezer and just reheat it when they need it or okay. have it for them when it's available and a zap of love for them when they need it. So, yeah, I just and then how I promoted, I, I put it on um, Shopify, started promoting my networks and just would see if it would go. You know, it wasn't perfect. Um, and, but I realized in doing anything, you need to start like I could yes. wait months from now to get it perfect and all the bells and whistles. But I would be missing this opportunity. I would be missing um, helping people. Um, and yeah, it might be perfect, but it might be off the mark too so i believe in starting if anything in a small way sometimes it's starting a big bigger way yeah it sounds uh, like a big way because <laughs> once you get started sometimes a little bit of naivety in anything um is not such a bad thing because if you knew how hard it was you might have not started it in the first place but that's okay that's okay um you just uh go forward and adapt and figure it out along the way um, and I yeah. think the more you do, the uh, more you or anybody does, the more confidence they get in themselves and they realize that they can 
pull this off, even though they don't know all the details of it, because they have confidence in their ability. Exactly. The one thing stopping us, I think there's many things. One is fear. And I've realized over time, we will never get rid of fear. Everybody's got fear. Even the most famous of people have fear. It's not something that just because somebody is the you know, uh, a top at something. They don't have fear. Fear is always there. So just call it our friend. Just put it on the side. It's there. And the other thing is risk. Um, we think risk and failure is bad. And we, I, th- I hate the word failure, actually. It sounds like we've no. done something wrong. Yes. I, I believe we need to learn lessons along the way. We say, oh, that didn't work. Okay, I'll pivot here. Okay, that didn't work as well. I'll try this. And I think we give failure a bad name. Because I like the word that you used, pivot. Pivot, yes. What That is amazing. Um, yeah, because that's all you're doing. You're going down a road and you just, you know, that's not working. So you pivot or you shift to some other way of doing it or get more information or knowledge to help you. And then just, and then try it this way, right? Exactly. Uh, Instead of this failure, because, and I think that, uh, you know, it, it's a, a little bit how people are raised too, right? Um, you know, success and failure. There's no in between, sort of, right? Exactly. You either, you know, and at some point in our childhood, we're told that you can't fail, or that was the subliminal message or subconscious message like, don't fail. You got to be the best at what you do. And that, starts to make us not want to try because we can't be the best we're not good enough as we are so we feel a little bit broken and that we can't go forward so there's all these messages we have to just get rid of or figure out like that's not us that's bad programming like a bad programming in our computer system and we need to get rid of that or at least put it on the side and say okay what is the program i do want in my life what what is that's not true there's so many thoughts and we have in a day thousands. Six, they say it's sixty thousand, and most it's of them 60, are not. Sixty thousand. Yeah, most of them are not true. Like we're, there's like so. So what is true, and what do we want to program in our lives? I think that um, is the most important. Yeah, and the thing is, I think it's actually more than sixty thousand, but most of them is what we what we thought of yesterday. So we keep on running this reel inside our brain that we're not even really aware of. And uh, what I find, uh, Caroline, is meditation really silences that that inner talk uh, that wants to the ego that wants to sabotage us, right? And exactly. um, and I think that success, and especially with the information highway that we have, is the bar is so high, it's right. so high that um, it, uh, it people may become discouraged just by seeing that. You know? Yeah, and I think yeah, and I think that what's highly destructive is comparison. I mean, I try to uh, avoid like I'm on social media. I try to go out uh, and not look at it as comparison. It's really hard. So and so has better body. So and so has a better life. Or well, we're just it's just a touched up photo, and we put so much weight into that. So the comparison kills. It's really hard. It's not like uh, if we start looking at it. Um, automatically we get depressed thinking we're not good enough so um that's another thing but i think the message is if you have if you feel uh inside of you that you want to do something with your life you just really need to try and do it because there is a 
there's a, another uh, saying that when you are walking the life that you're supposed to be walking, the universe just bows down and op opens doors to you and synchronicities happen uh, to help you uh, accomplish what you're doing. And you might not realize it until you look back over your life and see that there's something bigger than yourself has helped you get to where you're going. Exactly. And I've always believed too, you can't label something as success or failure until later in life. You don't know because of that failure to catch a train or whatever you missed, you ended up meeting your partner or because of this failure, you ended up doing something else. So that's the interesting part when like uh, I try not to label anything bad or good. Because you really don't know until we don't even know, even during this lifetime. Who knows? Um, that, so that's another uh, big thing for me. Mm -hmm. Like, who knows? So before we wrap up uh, the show, Caroline, I must ask you, um, what is the extraordinary discovery that you found in your life? I think I believe that we can create anything um, we want to. It might not turn out exactly as we thought. Um, it might not put us exactly in the path, but I think by starting, we create a revolution within ourselves. I think that's what I would say. I, it's amazing if you're curious about life and yourself, um, and have that childlike curiosity of adventure, um, you can go to amazing places, uh, by staying open, um, and in love with yourself and life. Mm hmm. That's that's awesome. Thank you very much for that. How Thank may you. people reach you, Caroline? I guess through my website, www.carolineishi.com. And uh, you can, there's a mail function there. They, and I'm on social media as well on Instagram and um, all the other <laughs> Twitter and Facebook. And Facebook, yeah. And, yeah. and, tw and Twitter Facebook. and all the social media as well. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, and I love hearing from people. Uh, it's great. I love hearing stories from people and uh, and to see how connected we are with one another more than we're mm -hmm. distant. I think more. Uh, yes, that's yeah. Right. We need more connection and more mm, authenticity in our lives, meaning that we need to show up, show people who we are um, and not think that, you know, if you had a bad day or something that something is wrong with us. Like it just needs to we just need to be real. We have time. to, I think too, uh, we need to be, we need to try not to be afraid of ourselves and who we are. Take your light out into the world and shine it on as many people as you can, because you just don't know what people are going through. And I think that you have done that in such a delightful way, Caroline. And uh, yeah. your food is one of the ways that you heal people, heal their souls, probably. And so what a gift that you are and what a gift you. that you've given the world. Yes. I remember somebody saying that it's selfish not to put out. If you have, you're sitting on gifts, it's your role to find out what they are and share them with the world. It's selfish to live this lifetime and sit on those things that people can be benefiting from. That's a saying that I, I try to go to when I think, well, am I doing, what am I doing? And it's like, yeah, we have those gifts and please, please share them with others. Wow. What fabulous advice that is. Thank you so much. I've Thank so you. enjoyed talking with you again. 
Uh, we could talk for <laughs> a long time, uh, but I must wrap up the show. So this is Rhonda Grant and my delightful friend, Caroline Ishii, with the Rhonda Grant Show, author of Magical Forces Within, Extraordinary Discoveries in an Ordinary Life, inviting you to look for the magical forces within yourself today and every day, just like Caroline Ishii is doing. Thank you very much. Thanks for tuning in to the Rhonda Grant Show with your host, Rhonda Grant. If you would like to find out more information about Rhonda and her upcoming guests and the work that she does, go to her website, rhondagrantauthor.com. That's rhondagrantauthor.com. 